Yeah, no, I, I know that it was the diabetic complications that caused us to lose her, but I mean, do, do you remember when we started seeing the hand tremors? No, I don't either. It just seems like it was always there. She did, way too soon. It's hard to believe it's been almost 30 years since she's been gone. <laughs> we were, we were babies. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm just wondering about hereditary issues and family tree stuff lately. It's just, it's just hard never getting all those answers since they were both gone too soon. But anyway, how's the new house? <laughs> I bet she does. That first room of your own, it's like total freedom. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Good. It's Jan. Hi, Jan. Yeah, he's right here. He says hi. <laughs> Thanks. No, we are. Well, still bouncing back from that one. I uh, never dreamed I'd go through a hurricane, but God's really been strengthening us through it all. Thanks for asking. Yeah, we are. Okay, well, give everyone a big hug for us too, okay? All right, love you too, sis. Okay, bye. So they're all moved in? Yep, seems like the transition has gone pretty smoothly so far but they missed the beach already. Well, who wouldn't? Someone with uh, gorgeous mountains to climb and no threat of tropical storms to worry about. Honey, if we moved to the mountains, you'd start to worry about mountain lions and bears collaborating their attack and lying in wait for us and only us while we set out on our sunset hike. Or you'd start to worry about the breeze pushing the mountains into our brand new dream home. Not funny. No, I'll tell you what's not funny. This third special assessment that we've received after we've already paid thousands for hurricane damage to the community. I know. What they, how they even know what to bill us only a month after Matthew hit is beyond me. I mean, <laughs> they didn't even wait to see what would be covered by FEMA or insurance, but billed us anyway. And after they received all those insurance payments and what they got from us in December and January, they still want more. Do they think we're made of money? It doesn't seem right to me either, but what can we do? Well, we can fight them, that's what. <laughs> fight who, honey? The regime? You know, the entire, entire board or the insurance companies? Besides, some residents already tried that with no progress. Well, maybe the right people weren't involved. <laughs> and um, who are the right people, honey? You? You dang right me. Hmm. And when would you have time to take that on? Well, you're right about that. Working overtime all the time doesn't leave time for much else. Let's just remain grateful that we didn't have any real damage to our home. Too many people were totally displaced and lost a lot more than we did. You know, it may be a year or more before Sally and Jack fully recover. I know. Their insurance deductible was insane. Mm. That is horrible what they went through. Yeah, what they're going through. All right. But anyway, while we're on the subject. Oh, no. What subject is that? How to lose it all without really trying? <laughs> Health insurance is changing again. What do you want to do? Yeah, and so is my premium and my out-of-pocket. Yeah. We've got to go with high deductible. I don't think that's a good idea. Why not? We're fit as a fiddle. We just need catastrophic coverage. Honey, and what if something surprises us, you know, before that deductible is even met? Like what? Well, like something catastrophic, Greg. I don't know. 
You know, but it, it does happen, you know, right here in the land of paradise where no hurricane had happened in over 100 years. Catastrophe happened. Honey, will you stop worrying all the time about everything? It gets us nowhere but in trouble fast. And not taking a good hard look at things that we need to gets us into bigger trouble faster. Great. Here we go again. Just forget it. I'm happy to, but you won't. Not until you've worried enough for the both of us to wind up with a heart attack. I don't worry about everything. You know, I, I just believe in praying and planning. And I trust God totally. You know I do. He's always provided. But he also trusts me to use wisdom. And what's that supposed to mean? That I don't trust God or that I'm not wise? Which one is it today, Peg? I didn't say any such thing about you. Stop putting words in my mouth. But I write these checks and, you know, I'm saying... Yeah, and I make the money so that you can write these checks. We make the money, and God enables either of us, both of us, to do any of this and maintain any of this. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. We're on the same team. Yes, we are. But, you know, we really don't know what's around the corner for us. I mean, I'll decide, or I'll go with whatever you want to decide about health insurance, but... We've just seen too many people go through unplanned and unexpected things here, honey. You know, and there's just, there's more than you know. Hey, we guys, we share too, you know. A lot can be said on a golf course. Yeah, that's, that's not what I meant. I get it, honey. I can't stop thinking about Joe and Charlotte either. Yeah. It was a shock, I know, but... But, you know, Joe did say he felt the early onset creep in long before the actual Parkinson's diagnosis. What if something like that happened to one of us? Then we deal with it one day at a time with God's help. I believe I just heard someone tell her sister that God strengthens us through it all. I hate it when you do that, when you stop feeding me my own words. Well, your words are usually better than mine, so deal with it. Besides, it was a good word, and it's true. It is, but again, we don't know what's around the corner for us. You know, I, I just... Do you honestly think that if I were the one to get something like Parkinson's, that um, you could handle that? <laughs> yes, of course, honey. What, what is this really all about? I don't know. I, I guess I've just been thinking about what, you know, everyone here has gone through in the last year. I know, honey. I will especially never understand what happened to Grace and Chuck. It would, it would absolutely devastate me to, to, to lose you so suddenly like that. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I love you. I love you too. Can we focus on our happy, healthy here and now and just count our blessings, please? Yes, we can. But, but what, honey? Honey, we just need to decide about health insurance okay. before the 30th of the month. We will talk about it later. And pray about it. And we'll pray about it. 
later. And decide. And we'll decide before the 30th. Good. But right now, we have to get ready to go have fun with the Wagners. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you know, I'm wearing that sexy new shirt my honey bought me last week. Okay, dear. You do that. Right. Hey, hey, wait, 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 wait. Well, why are you sitting back down? We both know you take longer to get ready, dear. Why are you sitting back down? Well, because before I got that phone call and you derailed me, I was in the middle of paying bills. I'm almost finished. 5.30, honey. This train is derailing you again if you're not changing by 5.30. We're meeting them at the boathouse at 6 and then at Shelter Cove for the fireworks. Yeah, you're slowing me down then. Go. I'm almost done. 5.30. Yes, dear. If you're here today and you're married, you've heard that conversation, haven't you? <laughs> and if you're not and one day you will be married, I promise you, you will be a part of that conversation one day. And I love how they demonstrated how real the struggle of life is and how in a marriage, somehow, some way, all at once, simultaneously, we can have joy complete joy and complete frustration. We can have incredible pleasure. And in the next moment, we're incredibly disappointed. And we can experience happiness and then all of a sudden, anger. And if there's one relationship that highlights more than any other relationship that the struggle is real, it's the relationship between a husband and a wife. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, for those of you I don't know, my name's Todd. I'm the lead pastor. I'm really glad that you're here this morning. We're in a series called The Struggle is Real, and we've been walking through this letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And today we come to chapter 5, and at the end of chapter 5, Paul highlights and kind of puts a focus on the idea that a marriage relationship, a husband, relationship between a husband and wife is something that we can learn about the relationship between us and our Savior, Jesus, from. And it's also a relationship that should reflect Christ. In fact, what Paul does at the end of chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6 is really highlight the fact that there are several different types of relationships that should both reflect Christ and us and also Give him glory and give him honor. And so today we're going we're gonna to be continuing in this series, kind of in this theme. And it's interesting because as we look at, at, at this whole book, this whole letter that was written and how this piece fits into that letter, I want you to get the big picture that the purpose of Ephesians, the purpose of Paul writing this letter to the church there in Ephesus and to us today in 2017 is to strengthen the church, is really to strengthen the church or the Christ follower individually through unifying beliefs but also in practices. And he spends the first three chapters really explaining what we believe in the second uh, three chapters, chapters four, five, and six, he, he spends really explaining what that means and how it plays out in our relationships. And so today we're going to be focused on three different relationships that are very common. It, it, they're relationships that most of us have. Some of us have all three of these simultaneously for a good part of our lives. 
Some of you have one of them and not the others, and that's fine. But he uses these three relationships really to kind of highlight the relationship between us and Christ. And those relationships are the relationship between a husband and wife, between a father and a mother and a, and a child, parents and a child. And then also what I believe is the relationship between an employer and an employee and how those things really reflect Christ and how we can honor Christ through those things. Now, what today is, is today is not necessarily a, a message on marriage because Paul's intent really is, is to use the marriage relationship and to use the relationship between parents and a child and the relationship between uh, an employer and employee to highlight this great relationship that we have with Jesus. But along the way, we learn a few things about how we should act in those relationships. We learn a few things about how we are supposed to be and how we are supposed to love and how we are supposed to take care of each other. And so we've got to face the fact that whether a good marriage is good or bad, whether a relationship between a child and a parent is good or bad, whether the relationship between an employee and employer is good or bad, that these relationships, because of the nature of their relationships, will really test us in terms of our faithfulness, in terms of how we love each other. It's one of the most poignant, excellent examples that Paul uses to highlight that, and it begins with the marriage relationship couple times a year, probably about six times a year, I have the, the great privilege of um, officiating uh, weddings. I don't do um, a lot of like out-of-town destination weddings. Uh, I'll, do, I'll do a few occasionally, but I'll do some weddings of some of you and then also some of you who have children who are getting married, and everybody wants to have a wedding on the beach, and, and I get that. That's awesome, isn't it? It's great. And uh, so I, I, I will do these weddings. I did one just a few weeks ago. I don't do too many, but... Um, my, uh, my, one of my children, I'm not going to tell you which one of my children suggested this because this child asked me not to tell you, but this child asked me to share a joke in one of the weddings that I had, and, and it goes a little bit like this. In, in the marriage relationship, you, you have three different rings that you have. Uh, first of all comes the engagement ring. Secondly is the wedding ring, and the last one is the suffering So I'm just wondering, if I were marrying you, would you want me to share that joke at your wedding? Uh, and, you know, I love that because it really does, does highlight what the world thinks about marriage, doesn't it? Marriage is vilified in our culture today, biblical marriage, between a husband and a wife till death. It's vilified. It's being assaulted in our culture, in our day and age, like no other time in the course of human history. It's on assault. And so because of that, we have a view of marriage that's you know, less than exciting. We have a view of marriage where we always go, or often we go to the negative. We often kind of highlight the difficulties in marriage. We often highlight the negative things about marriage. And, man, marriage is difficult, isn't it, for those of you who are married? But it's biblical, and it's of God. And not only that, but it's a picture of Christ in the church like no other. 
If you've been married for a long time, um, you understand the difficulty that marriage brings. You understand the struggle of taking two people who have different personalities, different upbringings, different backgrounds, maybe two different educations, two different complete like schools of thought, and putting them together in the same house and expecting them to live together in unity forever. It's not easy. I, I grew up. And, and I would wake up, my, my alarm when I was a kid and a teenager was news radio because I was a nerd growing up, all right? And so I, I grew up with, like, news radio on the radio every morning. Six o'clock, I'd go off, and uh, I would listen and lay there and listen to the, to the morning news for about ten minutes. And Cynthia and I, we've been married 22 years next week, and um, we, um, she's right down here. And our first argument was over how we wake up in the morning. Because when we first got married, we, we were kind of in transition, and we went on our honeymoon, and then we spent a few weeks at my parents' house. And um, so one day, I had to get up for something, and I set the alarm, and it was news radio, right? Atlanta, WSB, 750, all right? And so, uh, you know, we, uh, we, we, the alarm went off, and it was just this, you know, soft voices of the news and the first thing in the morning, and it got me going, got me ready for the day, except... For the first time in my life, she like elbowed me like, what are you doing? This is annoying at 6 a.m. You've got to be kidding me. And so right then and there, we together decided that a soft alarm would wake us up for the next 22 years. (laughs) Except for this morning. Because I wake up early on Sunday. She does too. She gets here before I do. But I like to wake up at about 5. She likes to wake up at about 5.30. And for some reason, I accidentally turned my phone on last night to the highest level possible of an alarm. And I set it for 5 o'clock because I needed a little extra time to get ready for today. And it woke the dead in our house this morning. And so I want to say in front of all of you and in front of my wife, Cynthia down here, thank you for your grace this morning. You're awesome. And I will live to see that 22-year anniversary. So anyway, all right. Now, let's dive into God's words. Uh, obviously, Paul is trying to communicate something about Christ in the church here. And, and I want to kind of just highlight our first point this morning, and that is, is that the ideal relationship, listen, the ideal relationship between a husband and a wife teaches us about God's sacrificial love. The ideal relationship between a husband and wife teaches us about God's sacrificial love. And I want to turn to Ephesians chapter 5 and take a look at verses 22 through 23 this morning. Check this out. Verse 22. Now, I'm going to read, I'm going to read verses 22, and we're going to read all the way through 31. And the second word that I read, some of you are going to be extremely uncomfortable with. Hang on, stick with me. I'm asking you not to leave. Okay, all right, here we go. Ready? It says this in in Ephesians 5. This is what Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. He says this, wives, submit (laughs) to your own, I I heard you, to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, I want to stop right there for a moment. Our pastor in Atlanta used to say this. He used to say, you know, God's intent for a biblical marriage is that the husband is the head, but the wife is clearly the neck. And I've always loved that, right, ladies? 
All right, okay, let's keep on reading there. That's just something fun. All right, so uh, verse 24. He says this, Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Hang on with me, okay? Verse 25. Husbands, men, I want you to say this with me. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. And he says in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his Uh, His wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. And then he says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, I, I want to begin with just a little um, fact here that's really interesting. That when I, if I'm doing um, premarital counseling, I always highlight this. Because in verse 31, we have this interesting, um, uh, this interesting verse, this interesting take. It says this. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. This is so incredibly profound. And this is just could only be God that designed it this way, that designed his word this way. I love this. Because in that, Paul used a word in the original language that would have gotten the reader's attention or the hearer's attention because they would have understood it something like, if I say to you, hey, I'm going to go surf the net, I've got an almost 13-year-old daughter, and she would be mortified if she heard me say that. But, like, you know, because that's, like, old school. But you understand that, like, surfing, you know, literally surf, uh, you know, it's, it's figurative in nature. And Paul would have used a language here that the reader in the first century would have understood very clearly this amazing picture. When he said that a man shall leave his father and mother, and implied in that is, is that the, the, the woman or the, the wife shall leave her family of origin, implied in that was that they both are leaving, and that's where we get this idea of leave and cleave. That's our little English fun way of saying it, but essentially he's saying leave and be joined. The word picture that the original readers would have gotten was a word, the word picture of how paper was made back in the first century. And the way that paper was made back in, in this day and time was is that a very thin slice of a papyrus plant would have been cut from one plant. And as it was taken off, it would have had holes and rugged edges, and it would have been completely imperfect. And then they would have taken from another plant another thin slice of that papyrus plant, and they would have taken an adhesive, and both imperfect pieces of that papyrus plant would have been joined together forever to become one perfect piece of paper. What a beautiful picture of what God intends for marriage to be. And I love that word picture. I love that figurative language that Paul used that may not have as much meaning to us, but the the original readers would have heard that or they would have read that and they would have understood exactly what Paul was talking about. Now, let's go back up to verse 
22. He begins with this. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands. And then he comes down, and in verse 27 and 28, he begins to talk to the husbands, and he says that husbands should love their wives as Christ loved the church. And essentially what Paul is doing here is essentially what Paul is doing is he's trying to um, delineate roles within a biblical marriage. And so Paul describes the roles in a marriage. And I want to begin with the husband, and there's a reason I want to begin with the husband. So we're going to begin kind of in that 27 to uh, 29 verse there where Paul begins to tell the husbands in a marriage relationship to love their wives. Now, when he says love, I believe what he's saying is that our role, listen, as husbands, we're learning a little bit about marriage today, but it also reflects Christ in the church. Our role is to love our wives. And he says, as Christ loved the church. I believe what Paul is saying is that when we love our wives, that we are to lead them, we are to be the initiators with them, and we are to sacrifice for them. And when Paul uses that word love, which is the God kind of love, it is the highest calling in a relationship that you could ever have, men and husbands. It means, guys, that we are supposed to figuratively and literally be there to take the bullet for our wives. Because what was the extent to which Christ loved the church? What did he do for the church? He died for the church. He willingly laid down his life for the church. And the implications, men, of us loving our wives, not just with this, you know, romantic, like every once in a while, I'll bring her a flower and do all this stuff, and like, you know, everything else is just kind of like whatever happens. God called us men to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And I believe what that means is that we lead and we initiate and that we sacrifice. Listen, this is a high calling. And if you put love against submit, men, husbands, if you're a husband or you're going to be a husband one day, we have the more difficult role. Because he only told the wives to submit. We'll get to that in a moment. I realize, very controversial. But if we put only in front of that word, I think we can better understand the first word that is supposed to happen in a marriage relationship, and that is, is that we men are supposed to love our wives as Christ loved the church. It begins there. It begins with us sacrificially loving them. And so the key question that I believe comes out of this, it jumps out of this, that Paul's trying to communicate, is men, husbands, how can we serve then our wives? And I think that's the question that we should ask all the time, is how can I serve her? How can I serve my wife? Because if we put ourselves in a position to serve them, then all of a sudden we're in a position to love them like Christ loved the church. Jesus said, I, I come um, to serve. And that's how he loved the church. And that's how we are supposed to love our wives. 
The problem is, is that the world takes the whole idea and love and, and really kind of cheapens the word love. And, it, and in doing so, it really kind of like ramps up or amps up this next word, and that is the word submit. And we don't like that word in our culture, do we? When we think of that word, we think of this heavy authority, domineering, right? We think of this dominating or this, like, strength of position. But ladies, i got to tell you that the word submit really simply means to, to follow and respond and support. It means to follow and respond and support. But here's the deal. You can follow and you can respond and you can support. But men, that only really happens in a godly fashion when we love first, like Christ loved the church. Husbands, do you see how we are the catalyst to this whole thing? We all have different personalities. We all have different temperaments. We all come into a marriage with different, like, you know, programmed in different ways. I, I grew up in, in a home. My, my dad modeled this whole idea of, of servanthood well with my mom. Um, and, and there were a lot of things that he modeled well and a few things he didn't model very well. Cynthia had the same kind of background and that sort of thing. Um, I, I'm married to a very strong woman. I love that about my wife. She's awesome. She's amazing. She's incredible. She's a great mom. She's, she's, a, she's a great, like, homemaker. I know that's an old-fashioned word, but, like, I walk into my house, and it's awesome, but I play a part with her in that. I mean, sometimes I'm a little messy, okay? I admit it, all right? But, like, you know, we, we play a part in that together. She's an amazing wife, but she also works. She's our director of operations here, our, our you know, worship and arts director, um, but, but we, we serve each other, and we love each other, and we don't do it perfectly all the time. I mean, there are some days I set the alarm way, way too high. I get it, right? Men, we've been there. There are times we say the wrong thing, right? Like, I'm the one that brings, makes all the money. I mean, when I saw this, when I read this, and when I heard this, I was like, they've been in our kitchen before. They've heard our conversations and so when we hear this word submit, I think that sometimes we have this idea or, or our, our culture has told us that like the men have to be the, the, the domineering authority. That is not true. Our job is to love. And when we love, then our wives can follow. Oh, man. When we love in Christ, then our wives can follow. And it works well. But men, when we wield our authority, we try to be domineering and dominant with our wives. We put them in a position where then all of a sudden it's difficult to do their part. And so we have to ask the question, what can I do to serve her? And then as a response, wives can ask the question, how then can I follow him? How then can I follow him? This doesn't negate different personalities and different backgrounds and different upbringings, but this is the way that Christ intended the marriage relationship to work because then it's a perfect reflection of what he did for us. Then it's a perfect reflection of what he did by sacrificing himself so that we could have eternal life 
because of his death and his resurrection, his death on the cross, his resurrection three days later. And so the ideal marriage relationship should be one that both teaches us a little bit about God and what he was doing through the redemption of mankind, and it should be something the ideal marriage then should reflect that. Now, I admit that, that we don't always get it right. There, there are some seasons where I've gotten this horribly wrong, and deep down in the recesses of my mind, I thought that she should follow me even if I wasn't following the Lord. And i got to tell you, guys, if you're here today and you're in a Christian marriage, it begins with you, men. It begins with you on your knees following the Lord. He goes on to say that we should wash her and that we should present her. And essentially what he's saying is that we should, should essentially be the priest of our homes. It doesn't mean that we have to have all the biblical knowledge. It doesn't mean that we always have to be the ones leading. There are times when, and by the way, submit is a mutual type submission. There are times when we allow her to lead in an area where she's better. Look, Cynthia, in our relationship, Cynthia is so much better at paying the bills. I've proved this over and over and over again. She is better at that. I'm going to let her lead in that area. It's been hard sometimes, I admit. Because I don't like to give up control. But I let her lead in that area. We provide grace just like Christ did. We provide forgiveness with each other. And when you and I do that, when we do that within the context of a biblical marriage, then we, are, when we learn something, we're taught about what Christ did, but we also reflect Christ. There's a second relationship I want to talk about this morning. And that's a relationship between a child and a parent. And it teaches us about obeying God and following his lead. Now look, I don't necessarily like this part. And if you're a child in here, you're probably not going to like it either. And if you're a dad in here, you're not going to like it either. Check this out. We're going to skip over to verse, uh, chapter 6. Next week, we're going to take a look at the whole armor of God. And we're going to begin in verse 10. But t today, we're going to finish uh, up this message with these two last relationships. It says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. No ambiguity there. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you, I love that part, and that you may live long in the land. Oh, man. Let, let me just stop for a moment and um, talk to you guys who are children, and you, you still live in your parents' home, whether you're 13 or 35, I don't know. All right, so, like, here's the deal. All right, sorry. <laughs> it's 2017, all right? So, anyway, all right. So, like, if things are not going very well in your household, try this. Because what you're doing right now is probably not working too well, right? <laughs> so try this, because this is what God intended. And it says it may go well with you. There's not much ambiguity there, is there? Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That it may go well with you. And then I'd really like to stop there, but I have to read this next verse. It says, fathers, provoke your children. I mean, do not provoke your children to anger. <laughs> but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. I have to work on this all the time because I love to tease my kids, especially my son. But the Bible says that we shouldn't anger them, just like God does not anger us. Just like 
He provides grace and forgiveness and salvation to us. And his job is not to poke at us and cause us to anger. That's the job of the evil one, not of God. And so dads, I'll remember this this week, hopefully. Our job is not to anger our children. Notice it doesn't say that we're not to discipline them. In fact, that's part of bringing them up in the instruction of the Lord is that we are supposed to discipline, and he talks about that, and we are supposed to discipline that, bringing them up in the discipline of the Lord. It doesn't mean that we're not supposed to discipline them, but it does mean that we are not supposed to annoy them to death like we dads have a tendency to do, don't we? It means that we are not to have discipline that is ridiculously far-reaching, that it angers them. It needs to be in a spirit of love and of grace and forgiveness and also discipline. And so that's our job as dads. And so that relationship between the children and a parent teaches us about what it means to obey God and then follow his lead in Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. And then finally, we come to this last one that's a little bit controversial in itself. And he says this in verse 5 of Ephesians 6. He says, Bondservants, obey your earthly master with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to your man, not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Paul spoke out against slavery elsewhere in the New Testament. He is not supporting or endorsing slavery here. I believe in the context of 2017, the closest relationship that we have is an employer to an employee. And here's what I believe Paul is saying, essentially, is is that when we have a relationship as an employee to an employer, our job is to do that work, to give excellence, do it with such excellence that we give honor to Christ. Like That would completely reverse some of your Monday mornings, some of you who are working full-time, and you're going in dreading work tomorrow morning. If you were to go in and you knew that your one goal, your only goal, was to please Jesus with the work that you do, how different your work would be. Am I right? Your job is not to please your boss, but it's to please the one who gave you life to breathe and the ability to work itself. And so Paul uses all three of these different relationships between a husband and a wife and children and parents and what I believe is employee and employer to highlight this key fact, this bottom line, the big picture today, that we need to allow those key relationships. And let's face it, we all have those relationships in our lives to teach us about God and to display Jesus to the world around us. Man, if we begin... With that in mind, if we begin with that statement in mind, all of a sudden our relationships take on a whole new tone. All of a sudden the struggle that is so real in each one of those relationships has a whole different perspective. That we can learn about God in us and we can teach the world about God and humanity and what he's done. 
Would you pray with me this morning? I want to ask you this question. In those three relationships, if you're here today and you're married or you're going to be or one day you hope to be, or if you're here today and you're a child that still lives in your home, and you're a parent that has a child in your home, and if you're here today and you are an employer, employee and you have an employer, what are you learning about God from those three key relationships? And then what are you doing to properly reflect in those relationships something about Jesus and about what God was doing through him? Father God, I thank you so much for this word today. God, I thank you that um, while sometimes being a husband and being a wife is extremely difficult. And sometimes being a child or being a parent is extremely difficult. And sometimes while being both an employer and an employee is extraordinarily difficult, our job is to treat those relationships in such a way that we can at first and foremost learn something from you. Help us to do that. That we can learn something about you that we can better see what you were doing with the redemption of all humanity. And maybe more importantly, that in those relationships that we would reflect accurately who you are. Because you are a good God who loved us enough to send your son to be a servant and to sacrifice you came not to lord authority over us. And Father, for that we are so grateful. But you also want us to follow you. You want us to obey you because you know what's best. You want us to work for you. God, I pray that we would take these three different relationships and that we would live with that in mind this week. But not just this week, but this month, but not just this month, but this year but not just this year, but in our lives. God, I pray for marriages in this room um, where there's been hurt and there's been harm. God, there's been frustration, there's been pain. God, I pray that you would provide healing. God, I pray that you would raise up husbands who love their wives, who serve them. Even when it's difficult, even when they wanna be right, God, even when they've been hurt, I pray that you would raise up husbands who would serve and love and initiate and lead. And God, I pray that you would raise up wives in this church who would respond when their husbands lead them in a godly fashion, that they would respond by supporting and following them as well. God, we thank you for this beautiful picture of you and what you did through your son, Jesus. We thank you so much for the gift of redemption. And I pray all of this in the strong, in the powerful, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, this morning I want to tell you about a couple things. Just some church things going on before you leave. Just for a moment. So I just ask you to stay here for a moment. I'm going to ask Summer Dempster to come on up here. Um, most, a lot of you know Summer because she is our kids ministry director. And uh, Summer Dempster has been with us for two and a half years. Is that right, Summer? So why don't you give it up for Summer Dempster this morning. Hello, everyone. I'm so sorry. I'm so sick. And my throat hurts so bad. But 
Um, a little backstory. About a year ago, I was listening to a podcast or reading a blog or something, and it talked about praying boldly. So from that point on, I started praying boldly. I prayed for our church. I prayed for our staff. I prayed for our island, and then a hurricane came. Um, <laughs> I, I prayed for our country. I prayed for everyone except myself. <laughs> so I guess about the end of December, beginning of January, I started praying boldly for myself. <laughs> and in doing that, I just said, what am I doing, God? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to be the best person that I can be? And within the first two months, um, our kids' ministry started really flourishing. We had 17 new volunteers. Our numbers are going up. It's just, it's amazing. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, why have I waited so long to do this? <laughs> um, then in February, I had a friend come to me and say, hey, there is a teaching position open and you might be interested. And I was like, why are you telling me this? And they're like, just, you know, just keep it in the back of your mind. And I said, okay, didn't think anything else about it. About three or four weeks later, my friend comes to me again and said, hey, there really is a teaching position coming open. <laughs> you might want to think about it. Well, this time it's the beginning of March, and as you know, that's Easter. So I didn't think anything about it. So I prayed. And I said, God, why do you keep sending this person to me, and what am I supposed to do? So I did apply. <laughs> I interviewed twice. <laughs> And starting in August, I will be teaching again. <laughs> but the, throughout this whole process, after my two interviews, you know how when you interview and it's like, oh, this was, went really, really well? I was like, oh, this went really, really bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I do remember this prayer, and I said, God, if you want me to do this, there are four things you have to do. <laughs> and, I mean, I was very, very bold about it. I was like, you got to do this. 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 He did all awesome. four. Awesome. I don't mm. know about you guys. I'm not arguing with God. <laughs> so in August, I will be heading back into the classroom and that's my story. <laughs> well, but I will be here until, until September 17th when we are celebrating our 10-year anniversary party because, y'all, we have so mm. many great things happening yeah. right now, yep. and we have so many great things happening in our kids' area mm. over the next year that have mm. already been in the works. Um, I'm not leaving the church. I will Yay. be here. Yes. I am actually going to go back into <laughs> volunteer status as I was before I became the kids' director. Yep. And the cool thing is, is when Summer told, I think she was – a little bit nervous to tell us this, like you are, you know, we just talked about employer-employee relationships. And uh, she came in and talked to myself and Cynthia about it. And um, she said, I want to be the best volunteer in our kids' ministry. And I, I love that heart. And she really does have a heart for our kids, doesn't she? And we're going to miss her tremendously. We're going to miss you so much. But you're, we're not going to miss you because you're going to be around. 
I, I love the story. I love what God's doing in her life and in Lee's life and her um, and little Hunter Grace's life. And and so um, we're we're excited for you. You're going to be missed in such a huge way, Summer. But um, I, I can tell you that that um, we're excited for what God's doing. And so in the meantime, I want you to stay up here for a second. In the meantime, um, we have someone who's going to fill her shoes. She's going to be, um, you know, become our, like, you know, kids ministry director and that sort of thing. Um, and she's been working with her. It's Leslie Shaw right down here. I didn't tell Leslie I was going to do this, but Leslie's been one of our volunteers. And so, Leslie, we're excited. I'll introduce you at some, another time. But um, we're also going to be working this summer on hiring a family pastor. And uh, so I'm really excited about that, too. And so um, I'm going to ask you as a church to be praying for Summer and, uh, and for Lee. And she's going back into the classroom. And so, um, you know, she's going to be with kids every hour of every day. Are you sure? You ready? Yeah. You ready for this? Okay. She's going to be working at Hilton Head Prep. <laughs> Hilton Head Prep. And uh, we're really excited for her. We're going to miss her tremendously. We also have an announcement I want you to make. So um, they're going to put it up on the screen about kids. Yeah, summer camp. Oh, yes. So those great things that I was talking about, we are having our summer dance camp. It's going to be a little bit different this year. It's going to be at Energy Gymnastics and Music, which is the new gymnastics studio that Robin and Dean St. Hilaire have opened on Beach City Road. It's June 26th through the 28th um, from second grade to fifth grade. Just shoot me an email if you want to come. (laughs) Also, our Adventure Week, which is like a VBS, but we call it an yep. adventure week. Yep. It is July 16th through the 20th from 6 to 8.30, and it's going to be here ages 4 through 5th grade. You can register online. It's $20 per kid or $50 max for the family. That's awesome. All right. Why don't you guys give it up for summer this morning? Thank you so much. A lot happening. Just uh, as you leave, just a couple things. Uh, next Sunday, we have beach baptism. Listen, some of you have accepted Jesus as your Savior in recent weeks and months. I want to encourage you. Um, the first thing you ought to do is be baptized. And so um, we're going to be having a baptism class next week that I'm leading. And uh, it's going to be between the two services. Any age, you can be a part of that. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of that. You, um, I want to remind you, though, you've got to register for us. I want to encourage you to give. Thank you so much for your generosity. I want to encourage you to give at guest services. You can give on your way out through the main doors. You can also text to give or you can give online. I also want to thank Billy and Diane Simmons right down here who um, did an amazing job. They are professionals who are a part of our church, professional uh, actors, and in that field, and they're a part of our church, and we're so thankful for them. They wrote that piece, and you guys did a great job. So thank you so much for doing what you're doing, sharing your gift. We're so appreciative. Why don't you stand up this morning? Thank you so much for being here. It's been a great Sunday. I hope to see you next Sunday. Have a great week, everyone.